You're listening to another episode of Modern Multifamily, a show that exists to provide inspiration and innovation to the multifamily industry through conversation, insight, and continued exploration. Join us as we continue to explore ways to improve the industry. All right, let's get into it. All right, well, Christy, I'm really excited to have you on the show today. Thank you for joining me. Thank you so much, Mike, for having me. So I'd love to start with kind of the overarching story of how my guests found the multifamily industry, and I'd love to start there today. How did you find multifamily? Well, as we've probably heard a lot of people say in the past, uh, I think it found me. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I started my career in college as a leasing professional. Um, I saw an ad that ages me for sure, but I saw an ad and uh, it was it was for a leasing consultant and it said something about free rent. And I was like, uh, I'm in. So, you know, I was like the richest college kid around because I could, you know, buy all the beer because I was making commissions and I thought I was super cool. Um, <laughs> so that's how I got started. That's my, my meager uh, beginning of the, my multifamily career. I love that. You're totally right. Most people end up saying they fell into it or it found them, but uh, the more and more I do this show, I'm actually seeing more and more people that did seek it out. You know, they saw great things happening. And I think that speaks to a lot of the stories that you've been able to contribute to really raising the bar and turning this into a destination industry. Absolutely. I mean, very quickly, I joke around because it's just, it's funny how I, I thought, oh gosh, this will help me get through college. And then it actually turned into a passion Fairly quickly, I was training people very, very quickly. Um, I would probably, I would say within the first six months, I was training new leasing consultants. And, um, you know, I'm not going to say that I was the best person to train them, but I was the only person that really took a passion to training. Um, Training is just not something that everyone loves to do. Everyone needs it, but it is not a passion for everyone. And I get that. But for me, it was right from the beginning. That's awesome. Well, let's, let's talk about that. One of the things that's really clear, whether it's on your LinkedIn or just in conversation with you is the heart and passion you have for training and development. And to me, that's like a total niche or niche, depending how you, how you say the word. And <laughs> Is that something that you sought out? Was that a design by Christy or did that kind of function and passion find you as your career was kind of born and built? Well, so it's a great question. I think, um, you know, again, it, it happened very quickly where I was training folks. And um, it, really what I found was that very early on, I would say within the first couple of years, I found that watching someone come in, whether they were green in the industry, which at that time most were, or if they had experience, but taking them and teaching them the skills that they needed, uh, whether it was whether it was soft skills or leasing and touring or or leading and managing, whatever that looked like from the very beginning. Um, where I derived the most satisfaction was watching people promote, and so. Um, again, with that passion, I just began uh, a, a long career. I, I did venture down the marketing route for quite some time, um, and that was that was interesting and it was fun, and I was pretty good at it. Um, <laughs> but um, but I came back to my first love, is what I always tell people. I came back to the training space, and uh, and that's really where I found my niche, and again, where my passion lies, and it's. 
it's really, it's watching people grow. And so, um, and also, you know, letting people know that you don't have to take that traditional career path that everyone takes in our industry. So you've got, you know, from leasing consultant to assistant manager to manager, that there are different options. And so, again, I could go on and on all day about this, but finding out where people's passions lie can tell you how to train them the best. So it's that personalized, individualized learning to make sure that it makes sense and is applicable to the person you're working with. Is that kind of the 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 secret sauce there? It is, in my opinion. And I I, I always bring it back to the one one thing that I live my life by is the golden rule, right? And it's it's an old adage. I get that, but if I treat people the way that I want to be treated. Uh, or if I train people the way that I wished I had been trained, um, I find that, that that people's their passion is ignited, and so it's it rubs off on them. So if if I have passion in what I'm doing and I believe in them, then they believe in themselves, and they have passion for what they're doing. And so the skills are transferable. It's just it's a beautiful thing when you can take. Uh, into account someone's dreams and their hopes and what they really want to do in life and, uh, and mix that in with their training and to be able to do that on a global scale, as well as a one-on-one scale, that's, that's something that I've been focusing on the past few years. So I'd love like in the context of multifamily and you look at the complexity of a multifamily organization, you've got frontline staff members like leasing consultants. For many, this is their first first full-time job. Mm -hmm. You have dozens of probably first-time managers that are managing properties or staff. And you also have this crazy balance between hard skills, learning how to use all of the proprietary technologies in a multifamily organization, let alone soft skills, teaching people how to handle tough conversations, how to talk about compensation. In your world, how do you find a balance between both sides of that when it comes to training and development? Because I say that out loud, that, that's got to be a team of 50 to do that for, for a company of your size. But what does it actually look like when you're in an organization running L&D? Well, it's a wonderful question. And the way that I I have to plug my my company here for a second and say, I didn't invent the wheel at TriCap. Um, Jessica, she's probably going to be so mad that I'm mentioning her name on here because she does not like all the pomp and circumstance. Um, But she actually devised an amazing, you know, uh, personal and professional development system within the company before I came on board. So I, I can't take credit for that. But I will tell you that what we do is, is and I don't want to give out all of our secrets, but sure. um, <laughs> reach out to me if you're looking for a remote role. Uh, wink, wink. Okay, I move on. <laughs> but um, yeah, so what we do is we take each individual role and there's an onboarding checklist that the hiring manager goes through with them. We also make sure that they have an agenda for their first week. And so that agenda is very detailed. And so it's uh, it's hour by hour, day by day so that they know exactly what they're getting into, what they're doing, who they're meeting with. One of the things that we're really big on is um, is meet and greets in the first week. And so meet and greets with, let's say if it's uh, an assistant manager with the accounting group, right? So they get to know each other. And this is not a, hey, 
let me re-interview you five times <laughs> in the first sure. day on these meet and greets. They're very personalized. They're, uh, I was just on a call 30 minutes ago with some team members and we were showing off our dogs. Like the way that the way that you get to people's heart when you're bringing them on board is to show that you care. Well, for one, it's to care. And then it is to show them that you care. So, you know, ask them questions that matter. Here's the thing. We teach folks in Leasing Training 101 to um, to ask people open-ended questions. So then the question then becomes, why don't we do that with our new hires? Why don't we, on these meet and greets in their first week, why aren't we having uh, asking them questions about what do you guys, what do you like to do for fun? Where do you like to go on vacation? If you could be, if you could live anywhere in the in the whole world, where would it be? How many pets do you have? What do you, you know, really, again, just getting to know them as a person. Um, we know they got the job because they have the credentials. We've seen their resume. We've seen their LinkedIn. So onboard them in a way that makes them excited to be with the company. And I don't know if you've read the stats. I'm sure you've seen and read the stats lately, but our turnover is just crazy in our industry. And so for us to be able to close that back door, we need to we need to care and we need to show people we care from the beginning. And we have to be very strategic with their time in the first couple of weeks. I could not agree more. I think the experience in the early days of making the decision to join an organization is critical for both sides to find that mutual harmony. And one of the questions I have for you, Christy, that I, that I'm, I'm thinking kind of fits into your function, but I'm, I'm honestly not totally sure is all of the technology that your team is using. And do do those responsibilities feed into your team and organization as well, making sure that team members are amply trained and equipped to be successful from a system standpoint? Because I've spent plenty of days on site shadowing customers and things like that. There are a lot of logins in the multifamily office. <laughs> and I'm curious if your team plays a role in helping team members find success with technology. Yes. And so the answer is twofold. So for one, um, I don't know about you, Mike, but have you ever started a job and you start on day one and you can't get into your tech whether oh, yeah. it's email or whatever system you're supposed to be on, it's um, it's it's really frustrating for the end user, the new hire, the person that we're still romancing, so to speak. Um, but it's also frustrating for other team members as well. And so one of the things, again, kind of giving out our secret sauce, one of the things that we do on the onboarding process is that we provide, we provide an email and it has their agenda and all of their logins that uh, goes out to their uh, personal email address. And it also gets um, a copy gets sent to the hiring manager as well. And then that hiring manager will go through each system and make sure that their login works. So that making sure that their login credentials work before day one. So there's that piece of it that just is smooth sailing from day one. And then to continue the process, we have amazing relationships with our vendors. And so we partner with them and we offer the training to our folks that way. So I have some software training skills myself. And then we, again, we have vendor partnerships. Awesome. We have um, lots of training in our LMS system that is geared toward that as well. That's awesome. That's a great answer. I'm curious. I, I was so interested to hear the balance between doing it on your own or with your team versus the delicate balance with partners. And it's cool to have found, you know, something that works really well. Yeah. 
Um, okay, so I, I obviously know you from LinkedIn, and I have followed your content for quite some time. And I would say a high percentage of what you talk about, what you share, what you engage with, really aligns with, you know, a combination of employee development and career development. Mm -hmm. And when you're working with team members, uh, and I'm sure you mentor people outside of your organization too, where do you start those conversations? Because I think career development is something that is still not been demystified uh, for, for many, many employees in the world. Well, you know, I'm going to take it back to that. Um, let's take it back to pre-boarding. And so, and I take it all the way back to pre-boarding because I think that that's, that's where we get, get our answer, right? So career development starts with pre-boarding. So when you're meeting with someone, if you are in the recruiting department or HR, again, I can't say this enough. After you get through that initial interview where you're making sure the person has the right skills, right? Once you get through that interview process and you're talking with someone, ask them, what are your goals? What do you want to do? Where do you think you have the most, where, where do your skills lie? Do you, do you love Excel? Um, is that your, your BFF, your go-to? What pieces of tech do you love? What pieces of tech do you hate? Um, by asking those questions, you're going to find out whether someone really loves those soft skills. So maybe this person comes in and uh, they're coming in at a leasing position, let's say, and they are on fire. They're extroverted, which most of us are that started that way, right? Um, but they are on fire. They just, they love people. They are energetic. They have um, knowledge for their role. Maybe they could be a trainer, you know? I mean, who knows? Find out, but find out first before we pigeonhole them, find out what they want to do and find out what they're really, really good at. And people will tell you, people love to talk about themselves. So that's where that conversation starts. And I got to say, Mike, um, the, the age old way that we've done it in our industry uh, that I've seen for so many years, more than we can count right now, or more than I'm going to count right now, is we, again, we, we just bring someone in because they've leased before. And then we say, okay, great. You've been here a year. So, you know, let's go ahead and promote you into the assistant manager role. That person wants to promote and they're a great employee, but you could have just set them up for ultimate failure because they don't want to tell you this, but they really are not great at all the details. They don't know Excel. They don't like balancing the books. They don't want to have anything to do with that. But we have ingrained in them that to promote, they have to go that route. But who says they have to, right? And so I could sit and talk about this all day, but that's where career mapping and career pathing, which is something we're doing at TriCap now, is so important. You don't have to take that that tried and true um, route that, that's always been taught in our industry. Um, and so again, it's about finding out what people are really good at, what they love, because that's gonna, that's gonna determine their long-term success. People can fake it in a role for a little while, but ultimately it's gonna come through that they either hate it or they're not very good at it. So let's save the company a lot of money and save the heartache of losing another person because they're disinterested or they get, they get fired because they're sure. no good at it. Yeah. So I have to ask, like, 
and I've managed people now for quite some time, and I, I align with a lot of the things that you're saying. And I think one of the things that I wonder often is that in this realm of career development, coaching, trying to make sure that people are aligned to the right function and long-term path, playing the long game, like you said, it still feels like a lot of the work being done here is largely based on gut. There's lots of gut going on in these conversations, yet there's so much data out there that can inform more about someone's strengths and skills. You look at Myers-Briggs, you look at strengths finders, you look at frameworks that many people have built to understand what someone's good at versus what they're terrible at. Don't put them in these roles because they aren't the Excel wizard like you talked about. Have you found any success using data-based programs or like really structuring this in a way that it's it's repeatable or does it have to be Christy who's the best on the call with the person to to make it repeatable? Um, okay, so let's just go ahead and say no. My gut is not going to be factual all the time. So we use Culture Index at TriCap, and one of the things that I love about Culture Index is it tells you without a doubt what the person is good at, but then it also breaks it down into different scenarios. So in this particular capacity, this person's going to be great at this, but in this one, they're not going to be so good. But if you put them in this role, it's it's very comprehensive and detailed, but then it's also very easy to read. And so at TriCat, before we even bring someone on board, culture index is a huge piece of how we make that decision. So to your point, we do know the facts of what the person's really, really good at. Um, and 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 to that to that matter, also what they're not going to like. And it also goes into detail and tells you what they're going to be like when you work with them. So this person, just giving an example, is is going to get very nervous if you give them a tight deadline or this person thrives on deadlines. And that kind of data is invaluable when you're hiring someone for both sides. Mm -hmm. And do you use that in the recruiting process? Is there something you found to actually match potential employees with with functions? Because in my experience, one of the best things I've really like unlocked through mentorship is the power of lattice. Someone who really wanted to be in this function over here as an analyst or a manager or a director. And it's like, you know, you have every qualification, but you don't have the DNA to be, be well there. Let's move you over here laterally. And then you watch that person blossom. But how does this impact recruiting for, for you and your business? Yes. And so great point. We use it for that as well, but we definitely use it backing it out a little bit in the recruitment process. We have an amazing recruiter named Kate. Again, she's probably going to be so mad that I mentioned her name. She's precious and she's very, very good at her job. And that's one of the things is that she tirelessly vets people based on CI. So I'll give you an example. The two of us just did a recruiting and onboarding presentation company-wide. And one of the things that we talked about and, and that she talked about is that we can, you know, there can be someone that looks amazing on paper and amazing on LinkedIn. Um, and then they just don't match CI with our culture. And so they just, we just don't move forward with that candidate in the recruitment process because if they don't align with our core values, they're not going to be happy. <laughs> if I, Just to put it very bluntly, they're not going to be happy long-term. So yes, we definitely use that very, very heavily in uh, the recruitment process. That's helpful. That's so cool. 
Um, so Christy, I might be breaking the rules here. I was looking at your about section on your LinkedIn, getting ready for today's conversation. And I saw that you're working on a book. And I'm curious if that's something you're comfortable maybe sharing a sneak peek, what you're working on or what the outcome is going to be for uh, the audience. Sure. So this is a very private, personal book that I'm writing, but I don't mind talking about it at all. That's why it's on LinkedIn. Um, I'm actually writing a memoir about my life. And so uh, it's, I got to tell you, Mike, writing a memoir, is it, it's hard. Like you're writing a piece of fiction um, and it's just a random piece of fiction. It's, it's, I mean, it can be difficult, but if you're a, you know, a writing nerd, like I am, it's probably not that difficult, but when you're writing about your life, it is even for someone like me, who's extroverted and, and what have you, it's very, very different than, than writing a press release for the company or just anything at all. It's so I'm being very transparent and I'm saying it's super difficult to do. Um, but I feel a calling for it and a passion for it. So I'm not going to give you a time frame, but it is coming sure. soon. And, and when you say it's difficult, does it, cause it's difficult to, to look back. It's difficult to talk about yourself in the right tone. Is it a combination of all of the things I have gotten good at podcasting? I've gotten good at verbally talking about things, but I, I'm, I'd love to hear your answer in terms of the why find that being difficult. Yeah. Great question. So it's all the above. It's, um, again, being extroverted, people think, oh, she's, she must be super comfortable, super egotistical, super, um, but I'm not at all. And so writing about myself seems, um, it's just difficult. I don't know how else to explain it. Um, so yeah, it's, um, it's a very poignant and it's a very raw, um, memoir. And so, um, it's one of those things that I, I hesitated putting on LinkedIn for that very reason, thinking, gosh, I don't know if anybody on LinkedIn even cares that I'm writing a book, um, but I put it out there for accountability purposes too. So for myself and and the people who are on my LinkedIn that are connected with me, um, well, no, I'm putting it out there in the universe that I'm writing a book and it's happening. Well, I'm cheering for you. I think that's really cool. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, last question. Uh, do you have any questions for me? Different side of the industry, different state, uh, different function, but I'm curious if there's anything that you'd be interested to hear about from my perspective. Yes. I want to, I want to hear a day in the life for you. Uh, Rent Dynamics is an amazing company and I want to just hear a little bit about, you know, what you guys are up to. Give me a sneak peek of, of anything you're working on behind the scenes kind of stuff. <laughs> okay. So I'll, I'll share, um, three things. So one, one is that Rent Plus has definitely taken off over the last couple of years for us. That's our, resident-funded financial amenity. We report on-time rent payments to the credit bureaus, and we're helping residents establish and improve credit. And along the way, since it's resident-funded, no cost to the property, if our partners are interested, with which many of them are, we're actually sharing back some ancillary revenue back to the property. So they actually get a win, the resident gets a win, and then you get this new marketable amenity. So it's really this really cool win-win-win model. And I thought I was joining a CRM business, which I am. We have a great CRM, uh, but the Rent Plus program has really transformed my perspective on being able to do good in our industry at scale. So that's definitely been the first thing that occupies a lot of my time. Um, I'm our chief revenue officer, and I lead all of sales, account management, and marketing. So I spend a ton of time with our people. I, I would say this conversation for me is like, making my heart pound in a good way because this is the stuff I think about, you know, making sure that my team, it's about 35 folks that I'm responsible for. And I take deep, 
pride in, in making sure that every day is a day well spent for the team that chooses to work with us. I spend a lot of time, you know, coaching, developing, strategizing, helping, and um, the people stuff definitely brews like really deep energy for me. So that is definitely a real thing. Um, and then the third would be we're a growth company. You know, we, we've more than doubled since I joined a year and a half ago, people and revenue. So embracing change. I think one of the things for me that's been a fun thing to really experience is that our, our culture is an evolution. It is an evolution of where we're going. We can't be a has-been company. We we're, we have to be a we're-going-to-be company. And so really like leading a company through this fun, fast-paced change, um, it's all occupying, but it, it's also incredibly energizing. I love it. And you know what? Um, just I can hear it in your voice you, that you have that passion for um, for career development. So I bet I could sit and learn a lot from you. So <laughs> thank you so much for, for that information and for sharing your time with me today. Yeah, of course. If folks want to get in touch with Christy, they want to peek your brain, uh, mm-hmm. maybe learn a little bit more about you, even ask you a question as it relates to could Culture Index make a positive impact on their company? Uh, what's your preferred method for people to reach out to you? Sure. You can send me a message on LinkedIn or you can email me at cwaddell at tricapres.com. Okay. We'll include both in the show notes and thank you a ton for lending me your time today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Bye.